the opportunity on this occasion to take up another study on the topic of the new year, which I've entitled, How to Bring in the New Year. Now, we know how the world does it. I think I don't need to explain that. Just go on the internet and you'll see (laughs) tonight. And I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying that it is what it is. But how about this? How about the Christian way of bringing in the new year? And might I add how not to do so? How not to bring it in? Life hangs by a slender thread. Even with all the means at our disposal to care for ourselves physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually, there's nothing we can do to keep ourselves from one moment to the next. Every heartbeat, every pulse of our nervous system, every breath is from God. It is outright arrogance and pride to plan as what we are going to read now in our passage for the future, like this one Jewish merchant does in our text. And so let me read James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 for our consideration. James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Hear God's word. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let us first pray, shall we? Oh, Father, bless these words from your holy word to our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we may in the process of our hearing this and receiving it and, and uh, regurgitating it, uh, hopefully uh, afterwards uh, to one another and, Lord, in other ways as we apply your word, as we seek to live out the scriptures, would be able to do so as your holy people, as a people that are set apart, that are set apart from a world that is given over to its lusts and to its pleasures and, the, and, to its, and to the deceitfulness of riches. Oh Lord, do this we pray, at the same time keeping us humble, knowing that Lord, there go I but for the grace of God. In Christ's name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. As I said, it is literally outright arrogance and pride to plan like this Jewish merchant in our text who says, 
today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, it doesn't seem like that's such a bad thing, but you have to understand this from a spiritual angle. And uh, so in the first three points that I will bring to your attention, God's Word tells you how not to bring in uh, the new year. And then the fourth point will be how to do it correctly, biblically. First, don't, pre- don't presume that you will have tomorrow. Don't presume that you will have a tomorrow. It says again in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. That's the Middle English way of saying tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's what is called presumptuousness. Presumption is an assumption that things will somehow turn out favorably for you. In this case, it is based on certain decisions that you would make and resultant actions that you would perform. But in the end, it is what you have, in a sense, made for yourself. And hopefully, it will all work out in the wash. Notice he says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? The word for life is not just your physical life, but is life in its totality. It is physical and spiritual. It is body and soul. And you will see that in the scriptures when it speaks about life oftentimes and the soul a lot of times. He says it is even a vapor. In the Greek, it is the word atmis, like mist, mist, vapor, steam. Like when last uh, week we had a celebration, a Christmas celebration at my son's house, and he has a jacuzzi, and they went out in that cold night in order to sit in their sauna. And uh, you can see the steam rising up into the cold night and, and dissipating. And then vanisheth away. The word is phano, which is the word for phantom. You know, phantom? Like, whoosh, phantom just disappears. You know, the Bible says that the nations are like a drop, drop in the bucket. That's where that phrase came from. Is from Isaiah 40, where it speaks about how the nations are like a drop in the bucket. And how God takes up the islands of the world, like the Philippines are 7,000 plus islands. It's called an archipelago. <laughs> I can barely pronounce it. Uh, uh, it's a whole uh, 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 unit of islands that are 500 miles north of the equator and 500 miles south of the equator. In fact, my wife's family are the co-owners of an island. Can you believe that? And guess what? We, that is, she and I will be going back to visit that island after almost 40 years. For the first time since, I was courting her and was turned down by her on the beach. I remember that so vividly, you know. <laughs> but enough of that, enough of that. The islands, like it says in the Bible, are all taken up 
and are like a very little thing when you put them all together. And all the nations are before him as nothing. They are counted as less than nothing. Vanity. The nations. And when you think about how God made all things out of nothing, that's what the Bible says. My life, your life, in comparison to the nations, which are as a drop in the bucket, are like a vapor. It's like your breath that you see in a cold morning, like when you got up this morning, cold winter day, and it's, you know, it's, you can see it maybe, maybe, and then it's gone. So let's get some perspective on this new year. If the nations of the world that are in such turmoil right now, everywhere you, you go on the internet, and I know that's where we get our news now. We don't get newspapers thrown at us. We do get one for advertisements, you know, thrown at us still. And I just chuck it into the, into the bin, right? But when you look and you see all that is transpiring right now and all the talking and uh, talking points and everything else that is going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, and the wars and the rumors of wars, And the Bible says that the nations are like a drop in the bucket. And then when it says that your life and mine are like a vapor, a wisp, a breath in comparison. Here at the dawn and gone before high noon. What is a year? What is a year which is just a sliver of your life and mine? I mean, if you're even a child of a few years, it's still that. Whether your life is, is short like that or long like some of us that have been around. I have a friend named Rose. She is the Christian mother of a close Christian friend that I, we happened to see at the installation of a pastor in a new RCS church work in, uh, in San Francisco. She testified how in 1993, she had a stroke that left her entire body paralyzed. She thought she was a goner. She's Filipina, by the way. Ironically, her dear husband, who showed no apparent sickness, died instead just a few short months after. Miraculously, Rose lives unto this present day. Things like that happen all the time. Rose lived and thought she was about to pass from this present life. Her husband, who showed no sickness, who I have, I have no doubt took good care of her, dies instead a few short months later. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, remember the words of Job. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he lost a lot more than one loved one. He lost all of his children. And he had a, a large brood, didn't he? And you can read all about it in the book of, Job, book of Job chapter 1. And so that's the first thing. The first thing is don't presume you will have a tomorrow. Secondly, don't brag. It says in verse 16 of James 4, but now you rejoice in your boastings. That's just another word for bragging. You know bragging? Boasting. 
All such rejoicing is evil. That's our sinful nature. We do it. We all do it, right? We all like to kind of lift ourselves up, pat our, give ourselves a good pat on the back, you know, from time to time. Paul told Timothy, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's really at that, the bottom of that. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I remember some relatives, some that stand out. All they could do is talk about themselves and what they've done. And you, you can't even get a word in edgewise. It's like they're talking to themselves after a while. You can probably walk away from the conversation. They'll still be talking. And I, I kid you not, I have had such experiences. And it's so sad. But, you know, we're not, well, we are some less better. But we're not a whole lot better. <laughs> Maybe we don't say it to people out, uh, rightly, but we think it, you know. And usually we do with our tongues, like in this instance that I mentioned. James talks about how the tongue is like a little member or part of your body and boasteth great things, boasteth great things. And James, whom we're reading from right now, the book of James, says, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. What do you think he's talking about? But the tongue and how it is lit of the fires of hell, if I can put it that way. We boast of what the future will bring when really we don't know. How can we? How can we? In fact, the Bible warns in Proverbs 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of the morrow. It's a commandment. Don't boast. And the reason? It gives us a reason. It doesn't always give us a reason. It doesn't have to give us a reason. But usually it does, the Bible. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. End of discussion, right? Now I'll have you turn to uh, an example in the Bible in Luke chapter 12. So turn to Luke chapter 12. Keep your finger on James 4. Luke chapter 12. Excellent case in point. Verses 16 through 21. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Let me read you from the word of God. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, and this is one of those, you don't boast with your tongue, but you're, you're still boasting with your mind. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Hmm, I will build, I will pull down my, my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It's like someone I know who, well, it's not, it's like those who retire and they're looking forward to enjoying the benefits the fruits of their labors of many, many years. I have a brother, and I'm not using him as an example of, of this, but he just retired Friday. I think I can say it because <laughs> the word's out already. Anyway, and pray for him that he would have time now to come and join us here. But uh, 30 years working in the same job, and uh, uh, now he, he's retired and he can enjoy that. So, so that's a good thing. But in this case... In this case, this individual, a farmer, is very boastful. He's a braggart. 
he says that this is what he's going to do. And he talks to himself and he, and he builds himself up and says, yeah, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. You watch. You watch, soul. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Isn't this so common, commonplace? And it's commonplace, especially about those who don't know God. And that's why it's important for us to acquaint others with our God so that they might know the reality of the truth of their lives. Because we don't know what a day may bring forth. The, bo the world boasts in what they have or what they hope to gain in terms of material things. Like in the Psalms, it says in, in Psalm 49.6, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. But God's people boast in who they have. Like David, when he said in Psalm 34, 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And he had everything. He had everything that one could possibly want in this life. He was the king of Israel. He's considered historically to be the preeminent king of Israel, after whom will be only the Son of God, who will reign as the greater David upon the throne. And yet he says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. So I hope I made my case. Now on the other hand, don't go to the opposite extreme of boasting, which would be worrying and being anxious for your life, for the future, because our Lord tells us. And he, the Lord has all the bases covered, basically. And if you look at Matthew 6.34, Matthew 6.34, he has that base covered as well. Because we tend to go, you know, to extremes, don't we? We tend to go over here, and then the next thing we bounce over here and, and back and forth sometimes, like, you know, a tennis ball being lobbed back and forth over a net. <laughs> it says in Matthew 6.34, what? Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, the phrase take thought means essentially don't fill your minds to overflowing with, with these thoughts on, on these matters. Don't be so consumed with thinking and thinking and thinking about these things that you don't get any sleep at night, that you don't get any rest during the day, that you're always possessed with this. Uh, if, if you could see a person's thoughts, you could see this cloud hanging over his head all the time. Um, don't be that way. Don't be consumed by things. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God. And live one day at a time. That's what he means when he says, don't take thought for tomorrow. 
Because tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow has its set of challenges. Today has its set of challenges. Don't compound that when you don't need to. And that's the danger uh, of, 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 of planning, by the way. We, we, we can over-plan. We can overthink the contingencies and make contingency plans, like we're fighting in a war and we have to be one step ahead of the, the enemy. We, yeah, there's, there's something to that, but, but you know what? In the kingdom of God, for the child of God, that's not necessary. Because we have in front of us the great captain of our salvation. We have it in front of us, literally the king of kings and lord of lords leading us into battle. He's on a white stallion, as is pictured in the book of Revelation. And he is, he is leading us in the battle. And guess what? He's fighting the battle all by himself. He really doesn't need us. He uses us. And praise God that, that we, we even have a place in his, in his army. We're called to be strong soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ, after all. And yes, we do play a role. But it ultimately is not finally dependent upon what you and I do. It in, in being that efficient army of the Lord. It is his army. And he is working through us and in us. And he's also working apart from us. And we give him all the glory because it will all come to him in the end. So live one day at a time. And make this your motto. This is a motto that I have adopted many, many years ago. And that's this motto. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And so live it to your best, live it to God's glory, and leave the rest to God. And lastly, lastly, as far as the not how to bring in the new year, don't sin by knowing to do good and not going through with it. Don't sin by knowing, oh, this is good, this is what I should do, but you don't go through with doing that, okay? In verse 17, back at uh, James, James chapter 4. I think I can drink in front of the camera. Well, there's no camera now, so <laughs> excuse me. Seventeen, the last verse. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The ungodly sins in the darkness, and that's bad enough. What they do in the, in the darkness, and that's where, they, where it's preferable to do uh, evil, by the way. That's uh, where it's preferable to sin is in the darkness. But the godly, the Christian, sins sometimes in the light. Well, sins in the light. And that's wretched. That's miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's what the Bible describes the one who is the believer who sins against God. Because you know better. That's the main reason. You know better. Because the one that you are sinning against, you know. It's not like you don't have a relationship with him. It's not like you're a stranger to him anymore. But you're friends. In fact, you're family. He's your father. Jesus is your loving savior. The Holy Spirit is your ever-present and always faithful comforter. And what's worse is when we, when we sin against the Lord who suffered and died on the cross to purchase us from those very sins, to pay that debt that we owe 
to God. Understand why life was short in the very first place. And that is because of the fall of our first parents from grace. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, repent for Almighty God, before Almighty God for your sins. Don't let a day go when you have sinned against God and not have repented on your knees before Almighty God in prayer. And if you sin against others, do the same. Don't, don't go to sleep without making it right. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger, your sinful anger, for example, the Bible says. Don't sin by knowing to do good and not following through with it. Don't be a mere hearer of the word and not a doer also because in the end, you deceive yourselves. And it's possible, it's very possible that if you continue in that vein, that you may not be the Lord's. That's always a possibility. In Psalm 90, 10 through 12, Psalm 90, 10 through 12, this is something that awakens us or ought to about the brevity of life. The days of our years are three score years and 10. How many is that? Three score, if a score is 20, three score would be what? 60, right? And 10, so that's what? 70. Guess what? I hit the marker. <laughs> In fact, I passed it. <laughs> and if by reason of strength, they'd be four score years. That's what? I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Lord willing, I, I'll, I'll make it. Lord willing. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. It's like a bird that's let out of its cage. It's gone. I remember we had finches at one time, and I won't tell you what, uh, who was responsible, but uh, they were given a bath, which you're not supposed to do, except with maybe one of these special bird bath things that you spray them with. Better yet, give them a little dish where they can kind of, you know, romp around in and, and take a bath in, right? But anyway, after that, those birds were, were, were sprayed uh, every morning, by the way, unbeknownst to me, if I knew about it, because I raised birds before. I raised parakeets. Uh, these are finches. They're, they're about the same, right? Well, anyway, uh, after those birds were sprayed one day and the, the cage door opened, guess what? They all flew out. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> and they never came back. They never came back. Well, anyway, why did I bring that up? <laughs> Our life is like that, isn't it? Sometimes when a saint will sin against the knowledge of truth, he suffers consequences for his sins. That's right. And he not only tramples underfoot the Son of God, the Bible says, but he suffers himself in his own Life, sometimes even falling asleep, which is an idiom in the New Testament for death. It says in 1 Corinthians 11 before, or at the reading of uh, the scripture that uh, we often would read at the Lord's Supper. And by the way, we have one coming up in July, but we'll postpone it to, to February. Comes to my mind. In 1 Corinthians 11, let me just read to you the salient verses there. It says, for he, well, let's turn to it. First Corinthians 11, 
verses 29 through 32. Hear God's word. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The word damnation is not hell. It's actually judgment. So it's like something short of hell. It's like temporal judgments of some kind, like getting sick or, or losing your shirt financially or uh, your family breaking up or uh, uh, dying early. Are those judgments? I think so. I think so. Sometimes we don't connect the two, like the, uh, the cause and the effect. But in God's economy, there's always cause and effect, by the way. He is, he is, God came up with that, you know, before the, the financial gurus of this world. God came up with that. There's cause and effect. What goes up must come down, like gravity. You throw something in the air, guess what? It's going to come down. Eventually, even things that we shoot up into space eventually come back. Or in most cases, they do. Anyway, reading on. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh judgment himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That's the idiom. That's the idiom. It's not sleep. It's like sleep, yeah, but it's like sleeping forever. Like in Psalm 13, it says, uh, sleep, this, Lord, preserve me so that I don't sleep the sleep of death. That's a, that's a sleep that I will not come out of, at least not in this life. For, we, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. In other words, if we become our own judge before God gets involved and do what we know we should be doing, what is right, what is honorable, what is just, what is true, what is holy, Guess what? He won't have to step in like that. But when we are judged, whether it's ourselves, but especially the Lord that gets involved, keep this in mind, it is because we are being chastened by the Lord. The Lord is chastening us because he loves us. He loves us enough that he will correct us. You know, a parent, a good parent, is a parent that will be willing to say no to his child. That's the first word a child that comes out of a child's mouth, by the way. But that's the first word that must come out of a parent's mouth. Because if you can't say no to your child, your child is in for a life of misery. Because you will, your child, you will be raising a thief. There's a, a, an article, I'll have to share this with you uh, sometime in the, in the new year, but how to raise a thief. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, principle numero uno of how to raise a thief. Let them, don't say no to them. You know where my drift is on this? I won't get into this. This is for another time. Anyway, um, God will chasten his children because he loves them. And he will do it betimes, meaning as necessary. But if he didn't love us, he wouldn't. But even when sometimes he is very stern in his admonition and especially in his discipline, physical discipline, it is always for our good. And then he goes, and then he says this, that we should not be condemned with the world. He's preserving us. He's keeping us from destruction, from self-destruction. He's keeping us so that we won't go to hell, so that we will continue, so that we will go to heaven 
and I'm speaking, of course, to those who we are uh, with that uh, profess the faith, because by their fruits you will know them. And the fruit of teachableness is such an essential fruit in a Christian's life. So that we will still go to heaven later and not sooner. <laughs> How's that? So far we've considered three ways as to how not to bring in the new year. And again, what are they? Remembering not to presume that you will have a tomorrow. Don't brag. And don't sin by knowing to do good and not going through with it. But God's word also tells us how to bring in the new year. And, and that is found in verse 15 of James 4. So turn finally to it in James 4, verse 15. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. This is what a true believer must say. Because as the Bible says, as David said, I believe, therefore I speak. This is what we must speak, what's in our hearts. What is in your heart should come out of your mouth and does. And it should be especially the things that are glorifying to God. To say, Lord willing, is glorifying to God. You know, I didn't know how to say that until I was taught it. And I remember my, in, the, in the church I grew up in is where I was taught it big time, let me tell you. It, always, it almost seemed like every sentence uh, in which you were talking about what you're going to do was always uh, with the provisio, if the Lord will. In fact, it, it, I would sound like a broken record. And sometimes people say, why do you always say that? <laughs> and my answer was, Always, it's true. It's true. If the Lord will. My life is in the hand of God. In him we live and move and have our being. Paul goes on to say elsewhere, For none of us liveth unto himself, and no man dieth unto himself. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. When you say Lord willing, it doesn't mean that as a Christian that you're some kind of what I describe as an ascetic zombie. One who doesn't think for himself or plans, plans nothing, uh, initiates nothing, does nothing, except pray. Kind of like those pole sitters back in the Middle Ages, you know, they'd sit on the pole on this column all day long and they'd have people bring food up to them, they'd lower a rope to bring up food to them and, and, and that's what they did. That's what they did. Or others who would sit on a bed of nails or sit on the bare cold pavement of their room in order to suffer. Well, we're not to be ascetic zombies who, who don't think and, and, and reason and plan and talk things over with others. It's okay to plan. It's okay. Uh, in Proverbs 69, it says, a man's heart deviseth his way. It's not putting that down, but, but take note that 
the Lord is the one who directs our steps. So remember at the end of the prayer and especially at the end of the day that you submit your plans to God. You get his approval. You get his stamp on it. You ask, Lord, if you will, make this to happen. And so it should be something reasonable, something that we know will not dishonor God. And that's a protective clause, as it were, in itself. But, but moreover, we're giving it to God. We're showing by faith, God, you're the God of my life. I want you to direct my steps. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Thomas Akempis once wrote in his, uh, what became his book, Imitation of Christ, the following. The purpose of just men depends not upon their own wisdom, but upon God's grace, on whom they always rely for whatsoever they take in hand. For man proposes but God disposes, neither is the way of man in himself, unquote. You've heard that before. Man proposes, but God is the one who disposes. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. And so in the end, what really matters is whether I am doing the will of God and you are doing the will of God, isn't it? And so in Matthew seven twenty and 21, I'll, I'll quote it to you. You might already know this. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that says unto, the Lord, unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Are you doing the will of God? Is that your chief desire? Your, what rules your life? The living principle of your life and mine. Man etches out various plans and even the best plan that is laid out can fail. But the bright side is this, and that God has a plan too, and it never fails. And so our goal is that our plan would pair with his, would compare with his, that we would always seek to compare what we do with what is taught in the scriptures. And if we see any violation of the scriptures, if we even see something that just continues to gnaw at us, gnaw at our conscience, you know what? That's a good thing. And you better listen to your conscience. You better listen to your heart at that point, even though our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked by nature. Because God could be knocking on the door of your heart and telling you, mm-mm, and that is why Romans 8.28 is such a good verse to end on and so let me turn us to it right now in closing Romans 8.28 because this gives us assurance that God is at work in our behalf throughout our lives And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Here's another life 
verse or statement of faith. Uh, God works all things for our good. And on the basis of that, we should trust him. Make that your life verse, even as I have and others have who have been blessed by this promise and all of the other promises of God's word. And enter the new year like this old bulletin cover that goes back a few years to 2009 show of people going into the new year by walking through the Bible. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. And make it your commitment to study the Word of God as much as possible, as often as you can, and read through the Bible again and again, because you will not regret it, not one bit. And so with that, let us close with a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we are thankful that you brought us safely through this year and, and are about, Lord, to enter another year. And while we don't know if we'll make it, yet we can say, like what we've been uh, instructed in your word, if the Lord will, we shall enter the new year. And Lord, this is my prayer for myself, my family, and for the brethren. And that is that we will safely land on the other side of this new year and will experience even greater blessings that you have for us in our lives. And so it's to this end that I commit your word to you and Lord, your Holy Spirit to work this in our hearts and in our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.